Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fully Expressed Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Marhefka, and I am excited to bring you the following conversations with some of the most interesting people I have ever met. When I set out to start recording the Fully Expressed Podcast, my intention was not to be the biggest, the most listened to, the most profitable podcast, but my intention was to be the most vulnerable podcast. And so as I interview our guests, my desire is to bring up stories and share experiences that they haven't shared before or they don't share regularly, to let us into their world even deeper so that we may learn and grow from their stories. And so far, we've certainly done that. Please check out all the episodes we've recorded on Spotify, iTunes, and all the other platforms. And if you love this show, please leave us a review, let me know, and also share this with a friend who you think might enjoy it. Lastly, if you want to support this show, please go over to trainingcampforthesoul.com. Training Camp for the Soul is my company where we do emotional healing, inner child work, and we teach people how to truly transform their lives. This show is completely funded by Training Camp for the Soul, so if you want to support me in the show, please go check out everything we have to offer over there. If you want to see the show notes and anything more about this podcast, go to chrismarhefka.com slash fully expressed. And then lastly, go over and follow me on the Instagram at chrismarhefka, where I share my own personal stories vulnerably, openly, and honestly. Thank you all for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fully Expressed Podcast. Today, I'm interviewing my brother, my friend, Steph Zafandos. Steph is a relationship coach, dating coach, men's coach, works in uh, inner child healing, trauma-informed, and among many other things. Steph, you and I met, I don't know if you remember the first time we met at uh, Sacred Sons. Who's the f- First or second? It's first or second, yeah. Yeah, I think it was the first. And one thing I wanted to share with you to open up the vulnerability cap here was that for the first year that I, I knew you was aware of you, I was triggered by you. And I now very clearly know what that was. And you were representing a part of me that I had rejected at that period of my life. After I went through a really deep healing journey, I, rejected a lot of the masculine side, a lot of my strong, competitive, really strong presence. I love that part of you. I fucking love it too. (laughs) Thank you, brother. Thank you. And I love that part of you as well. And I noticed that initially I was seeing you as that and it brought up in the things in me that I rejected and I didn't think I could integrate back at that period of my life. And so I think some testament to us being closer now is that part being resolved. So it's also just a compliment to you and how you show up in the world. And you really are the divine masculine. Thanks, brother. That, that means a lot to me. And to reflect back to you as well, like clearly it's a part of you that you've definitely owned within yourself. And I see that so strongly in you as well. And, I, and like I said a moment ago, I really love that part of you. You know, yeah. I love, 
you've got many parts to you like we all do, but you've got that big, beautiful heart and you've also got this strength and presence, like physical strength and presence. I see you in your body. And I actually remember that time we met at Sacred Sons, but then I think the next time after that, it was at Michael's place. Yeah. Yeah. We were working out. Yeah. Yep, yep. And I was just watching you move and I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. this guy is just in his body. I love that. Like, uh-huh. I really respect that. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And I appreciate you sharing that, yeah. that too, man. It's um, <laughs> yeah, special. And look where we are now, you know. I know. I know. And you've got a lot of things going on in your life yeah. right now. Yeah. Tell us what's new in your world. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to be a girl daddy at some point yes. soon. March. Yeah. Oh, so yes. Feeling all the feels with that. And I'm sure we'll unpack that a little bit more. I think mm-hmm. that's a very interesting journey for men mm. to be on and go on. It wasn't that long ago. I'm going to say, I mean, I'm 39 now, I turn 40 next year. Maybe four years ago, I was like, mm, I don't really want children. Mm-hmm. I'm adamant I'm not having children. You ask any of my friends that have known me since I was a teenager. They would say, Steph's not having children. Steph's not getting married. Steph's not doing those things. Like, that's <laughs> definitely not. And I mean, unpacking that, the false bravado was women and sex and prostitution and freedom and the James Bond person and the compensation and the bullshit and the facade and all that. But what was really underneath that was just growing up in a really horrific environment, childhood. And there were good times as well. I'm being really clear about that. And that was part of the confusion and disorganization in my nervous system was that the source of my joy and love and, and care and safety was also the source of my terror, mm. right? But And I was very just clear, like, I'm not having kids. That coupled with my mum saying things like, if it wasn't for you children, I wouldn't be here. And mm. yeah, I wanted children, you're the best thing that happened to me, but, and, like, mm. the confusion, you know? Yeah. And she didn't mean to say those things as she was in her own pain. But right. as a kid, this ideology, like, I'm never having kids. Mm-hmm. My brother became a drug addict for 11 or 12 years. That was a, such a mess. That's so difficult there. The violence there between him and I and the family and all that stuff. And we're best friends now. I mean, he, I miss him so much. He's in Australia. And I was just clear, like, not having children. Mm-hmm. And so for about four, maybe five years ago, actually, I'm driving. I'm in the car. Sun's shining, but there's, like, some drizzle, so, like, sun shower. And I've got the – I'm just about to put the – Moon roof or the sunroof up, uh, closer. It was my dad's car actually at the time. I didn't even have my own car then. Driving to my teacher's house, he's a tantric teacher, and I'm having a really bad day and I'm working through and moving through some really big stuff at that period of my life. And I'm just crying on the way there and crying, crying, and just tears and tears and tears. And I close the sunroof, something happens. I get this like shock to my body. Right. It was really interesting. It was like a lightning bolt hit me, but obviously nothing hit me. And I started feeling this openness in my chest. And for just randomly, I was not thinking about this. I had this thought of, oh, maybe I can have children. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can be a father was mm-hmm. the initial thought. Yeah. Maybe I can be a father. And I stopped crying just like, you know when a baby crying, yeah, yeah. just stops crying when they Done. get the thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was that. And I'm like, and I wasn't even crying about that. I was crying uh-huh. about something else. I was crying about, I'd ended a relationship months earlier, but as a result of that, that relationship end, ending, it was a catalyst for some deeper growth and unpacking layers. And so the sadness and the depression was emerging from seeing myself in different ways and releasing guilt and grief and going into shame. And that's what the tears were. But then this random thought about, oh, maybe I can be a father. And I started like a mathematical equation, like a, I don't know, like a physicist on a, on a blackboard, <laughs> right? Just in my mind as I'm driving. On, <laughs> I'm envisioning the beautiful mind where it, yeah, Russell yeah, Crowe's like, going, yeah. And that's sort of what it felt like. And I'm making all these connections and doing all these things. And I get to Simon's house 
And I share this with him and he's just sitting there smiling. He's a very placid guy. And then I share all this with him and unload. And it was all non-cohesive. And then I just start crying again. And then we start doing some somatic work. We start moving. That was really the beginning of opening my heart to being a father, being mm. a parent. Mm-hmm. Right? And that correlated for me is I'm coming into my worthiness. Like I'm coming mm. into my enoughness. Yeah. I'm coming into, even at that time, financially, I was very distressed mm-hmm. and sort of somewhat purposely because I was coming out of a very deep dive into my shadow self. And it was the first time that I was really, not the first time, but one of the first times that I was coming into, wow, I'm worthy enough mm-hmm. to be a father. Like I'm capable enough, I'm able enough. I'm actually not going to be my parents. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be my mother. I'm not going to be my father. Mm. And I actually believed it. Yeah. Like I didn't have like to owned be it. it. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Like I owned it. Mm-hmm. It was the beginning of that. And so I just thought I'd share that story because I know there are so many fathers out there, um, parents, not just fathers, mm-hmm. but parents out there that maybe are not ready or feel that they're not ready or they've had a very painful past mm-hmm. and that's influenced who they are and their choices around having a family in that way. And having a family isn't for everyone either. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I'm super clear yeah. about that too. And nor would I ever force that idea. I actually think most people shouldn't have children. In any capacity. And I was one of those people for a very long time. When we sit around enough healing work, you realize that. Yeah. yeah, You should not be passing these things on. Myself, for sure. Yeah. I've been there for the vast majority of my life. Yeah. It's like I got that picture, you know, where Oprah, uh, what did she say? A present for you? No, not present for you, no. Car for you. You can't can't hear you. No children for you. No children for you. No children for you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh huh. But that's. Weighing big, man, like uh-huh. all the decisions I make now, a lot of my friends would say, and I would hear people say, when you know you're having a child, when you have a child, things start to change, you know, you start to see the world differently. And there's definitely a bigger truth to that, that yeah. I think experientially through direct experience, one can only grasp when they're sort of in it. You know, yeah. Conceptually, you can definitely get it. But when you're beginning to really be in it, it's starting to come real. It's a fascinating mm. process that one moves through. I'm personally moving through yeah. myself. Yeah. When did that initiation start happening for you? I guess maybe it started the five years ago, but when was the most recent one? You yeah. were like, it's real and we're having this baby. Yeah, it's a good question. I think I want to say, when was it, the 11 weeks? When we got sort of the first scan, when we started testing to ensure that there's a healthy baby yeah. in there. We've got the results back and there's a relief that comes with that because obviously there can be complications and conditions that children have and, and humans have that just makes parenthood more complicated, I guess. Yeah. That's one way to look at it. Yeah. Or maybe, and also at the same time, more enlightening and enlivening, right. enlivening and all those things. But there was a sense of relief and it wasn't a segregation or a criticism towards quote unquote an unhealthy child. Right. But I think if everyone was to get honest with each other, they yeah. would prefer to have a healthy child. Right as opposed to an unhealthy, you know, like Mm -hmm. one that can function in the world in a greater capacity. And in saying that, we started really giving thought to what does it look like for us? Like just asking big questions, Mm -hmm. man, Yeah. about pregnancy termination. And you have to ask yourself those questions and what does it look like? All these things. So that there, just asking those questions and being in that conversation, not from a conceptual place, but from an actual place, Mm -hmm. I think the initiation began for me, right? And there was a knowing when Christine became pregnant, there was a knowing that, okay, we're really pregnant here. This is Mm -hmm. happening. We've made this choice. We've wanted to be here. 
what does life look like for us now? What kind of parents do we want to be? What kind of man do I want to be? Man, so so much stuff has been coming up for me. We had a gathering a couple yeah. of months mm-hmm. ago. And in that gathering that we had where there's a bunch of us as men getting together, going deep and exploring consciousness, mm-hmm. there were some really deep revelations that came up for mm-hmm. me. And I shared that with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting it's beautiful, man. Getting emotional. I know. That. I remember because I remember you being there just mm-hmm. <laughs> with that beautiful yeah, ball that you had. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. really those realizations and being held by physically and emotionally by some fucking epic men, including mm. yourself, mm. in that initiation as well. And just speechless, man, really speechless to be in that place and think, wow, like I don't actually have to do this alone anymore. Like I've brothers and men around me that see me and can support me and have been there. You know, we have many brothers around us in our community mm-hmm. that have children and mm-hmm. are amazing parents. They're not perfect. That's the whole point, right? But the way they repair, the way they see the world, the way they pay attention to their children, the way they continue to live their lives, because that was a big fear for mm-hmm. me, freedom. Yes. Yeah. Is my freedom, am I going to lose my freedom? Yeah. That was a question when I got married or right. when I'm in, in any relationship, but my freedom. Freedom. Mm-hmm. And just- Mm-hmm. so much around that and that there's great actual freedom in commitment mm-hmm. in deep commitment and even this commitment to this child and this commitment to this family dynamic that I'm choosing and choosing to create and I've given very careful consideration to the why and what that looks like and I don't have so many words around it but I have yeah. a feeling yeah. and what I say to Christine and what I've said to Christine is I think I believe and I'm certain actually that if we didn't try we would have regrets and resentments yeah. And we'd work through it yeah. and we'd be fine, mm-hmm. but there'd be an emptiness. Mm-hmm. I was projecting, right. just knowing myself, and I felt that it would be an emptiness at least if we didn't try. Mm-hmm. And so we tried and very blessed. It happened virtually immediately. And I'm grateful for that because it's opening up a lot in me. And what I was saying earlier, there's a lot of shame that's coming up mm-hmm. around things that I've done in the past, in relationships, the way I've seen myself, my own self-worth, you know, body shame. Mm-hmm my relationship to certain things in life and how I do those things. We were speaking about this before, about the appetite for desire and the attachment to the desires. Mm-hmm. And I feel that my daughter is calling me forward to bring more of these to my attention and my awareness now to deal with it, to face it, to not let it be in the, in the subtleties of my mm-hmm. behavior and the nuances of my emotional self and my expression and communication and how I do things and, really asking me to play a bigger game, like expand more, yeah. right? And that in and of itself is a massive initiation because now, Chris, I've done a lot of work, man. Mm-hmm. I don't say that in an arrogant way. I yeah. just explored myself, and I know there's a lot more, but consciousness, my own patternings, my history, my childhood, my behavior, my emotions, mm-hmm. my spirituality, really deep in very dark ways, in very painful ways, in familiar states of consciousness. Right? I've done a lot of that. And so now there's just more layers that are coming through that it's like, well, I've known that's existed for a while. I think it's time to look at that a little deeper right. than I've been willing to go before. Right. You know? So I think I'm in an initiation period for quite some time. <laughs> yeah, as every new father expresses, for sure. What are some of those things or ways that you're seeing the world differently now than maybe you were as single staff or just married staff and be yeah. baby. I've had a deep yearning from a very young age to contribute, right? And that's definitely come from a void or a lack in my own life. A, in the way that I've seen myself, 
just having low confidence as a kid and B, growing up in violence and volatility and then seeing a lot of that on television that was happening around the mm. world. And so there was a confusion there. And so I've always had this yearning to serve. And more recently, and I say more recently, well, for many years actually, not more recently, for many years, I've also had this desire to grow within and have an awareness that it doesn't matter what's happening in the outside world, this is all me. Yeah. Like just like what doesn't matter what's happening in the outside of your world, it's all you. Right. We're the common denominators in our right. lives. And I've had this desire to really shift and grow and change. And so the way I see the world now compared to how I used to is almost like, and I don't want to say there's a sense of urgency. I don't want to say that because it's not what it feels like, but there's almost like a greater importance, mm. a greater importance placed. And interestingly enough, I've placed growth is one of my highest values. Yeah. Like expanding is one of my highest values. In other words, if there's hard work or easy work to do, whatever the work, I'm willing to go there and explore. That exploration. Yeah, that yeah. shows. And now it's like even not more of that, but it's just a different energy. to yeah. have a different relationship to yeah. it now because I feel like it's a responsibility, I think, right. is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like with my wife and with my friends, right? I can sit in relationship to you and I can say, well, you've got your own self-autonomy and sovereignty mm-hmm. and agency yeah. and you can be responsible. I'm right. going to support Some you. level of independence. That yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, you could do you and I do me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do each other. You know, that probably doesn't sound right. But, you know, <laughs> we'll, do each other. Anyway. we'll do each other together <laughs> and you get it. Like, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. But For you sure. that. Yeah. It but as a, maybe he doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. And so now I become way more aware that everything I do, everything I think, everything I feel, is felt by that baby physiologically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, even now in the womb. And that is a big responsibility and a beautiful one. Beautiful one. And so it's asking of me, I'm seeing it, to up-level, to grow, to Mm -hmm. maybe choose to be a little more patient, Mm -hmm. be a little more open-minded. I can be rigid and closed-minded. I can be impatient. I can be aggressive. I can be agitated. Like it's asking me, can I just pause a little more? Mm-hmm. Can I slow down a little more? You know, if not for me, mm-hmm. if not for my wife, if not for my friends, mm-hmm. if not for the people that I serve, for a little being that's going to rely on that. Yeah. For everything. Yeah. Yeah. For a reflection of you for life. Yeah. A friend of mine this morning, Sal, he said something really beautiful. He's got two children, a boy and a girl. And he said, first three months or four months of child being born, so they call it the fourth trimester, mm-hmm. I guess, he says that the most important of that child's life, what you do and how you show up in those three months, your availability and the way that you're available, I'm paraphrasing, right. will impact them for the next 20 years. And I sat with it, I've been sitting with it all day. Yeah. He's, from my perspective, really accurate. Yeah. Like imagine. Clear your schedule. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to do. Yeah, clear your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. It's peaking up to slow down, but yeah. I mean, think about, I think about that, like, what if my parents mm-hmm. had that level of awareness yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah, that level of intention and they were deliberate and they were able to, mm-hmm. and they had quote unquote done their work or had done a vast majority of the right. work. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I love my life, yeah, but I just wonder, I just wonder, you know, just out of curiosity, yeah. like, what would happen? Where would mm-hmm. I be? Where would they be? How, mm-hmm. Where would the world be? Like, what does that mean? That's the question I ask. Where would the world be? Yeah. If every, every one before they brought children in and had that level of responsibility and intention. I don't even know if I can fathom that. It's yeah. like, you know how the brain can't compute yeah. fucking billions of stars. In the yeah, universe. yeah, quantum. You know, like the, yeah. Hundreds of billions of stars. Yeah. Like, I don't think I can even contemplate this, yeah. the, the domino effect of that. Yeah. 
and in like a small microcosm way, it's happening. And you, Christine, and a lot of our friends that have kids, and hopefully myself one day, it's like you'd be an epic father. Yeah, because you're an epic fucking human. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I got a bias, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So as far as that goes, we were talking earlier. You have a lot going on. There's this internal pull between more in these other directions and then also recognizing got this baby coming in how are you balancing that how are you addressing that right now balancing is not the right word but like how are you going through that process yeah because well, my impression of you if i can share is yeah. you're doing a shit ton yeah i'm both i see you everywhere doing everything every like videos every like, like damn how does stuff just I actually used you as an example when I sent to my assistant. I was like, this is what we're doing. <laughs> so I go, my assistant does that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I just do the, do the thing. Um, yeah. um, to be honest, I've got probably like, I don't know, four or five months worth of videos in advance at three videos a yeah. week. Yeah. Like I just have, wow. I have so, so much content there. Yeah. I think I got early, just on a side note, I, I just got early on, oh, how many years ago now, maybe seven, eight years ago, just creating content on a daily basis. And it's just a habit now. Like yeah. it's, but it's taken years, man, yeah. to... Yeah, it's taken a long time to create that level of just consistency in content. But I am doing a lot, man. I do a lot of one-on-one work, which I suppose most people don't see. And I spend most of my days managing the various businesses that I'm a part of and not managing per se, but directing, being involved, visioning, sometimes managing, you know, being in the weeds as well sometimes, which I'm probably going to get out a little more. And I'm getting really good at that too. But you know how startups are, man. Mm-hmm. Like they, oh, yeah. And you've got multiple startups at the yeah. same time. It yep. takes a minute, right? Yeah. And so do a lot of one-on-one work, which I love doing. Yeah. And group work and facilitation work as well. And how do I manage that? It's a really good question. Sometimes not really well, mm. to be honest, because I've grown a lot the last three years, particularly three and a half years, particularly after meeting Christine mm. and coming here to the US and being here, my whole world really just fucking exploded man in, in a great way yeah. but i've just gone like this you know mm-hmm. like i was growing before i met her mm-hmm. and, and i had the ingredients and i just needed the environment and i needed the support i needed to be seen and the way that she sees me as a human being as my wife as a partner as a friend and her support and compassion and non-judgment it really created a very fertile ground for me to just sprout and just mm. big fucking oak tree and so i have to credit a lot of that to her and of course my willingness and tenacity and wisdom and foundational work that I've done over the years it would work but I'm growing still because I can hold a lot and part of the wounding for that is well the more that I can hold because you're familiar with the five personality patterns yeah yeah it's a great it's yeah. a great book yeah. so great so I'm an endurer and yeah, I'm aggressive same. and endurer yeah right? yeah merging compensated yeah, enduring okay. yeah. And endurance. So <laughs> yeah you know the enduring yep. like, very well the more I have, the more value I am, the yep. more worthiness I hold, you know, it's that. So keep taking it on, keep, keep carrying it. it. <laughs> and that's what I do. And, that, and that's the shadow side, right? Yep. And, mm-hmm. and the suppose the, the light side or the healthy side is that I can hold a lot and give a lot and also receive a lot when I can tap into that, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm at a place now where I'm learning to hold even more. Mm-hmm. And I think also with Bubba coming will be even more that I need to hold mm-hmm. or, or I have an opportunity to hold. So I'm in that where... I'm hurting a little bit. When I say hurting, I'm maybe a little tired. I get a little confused. My attention span drops a little mm-hmm. bit because I'm being pulled in different directions, mm-hmm. but I'm aware of it. Yeah, I ensure that I have my daily practices. My movement mm-hmm. is one of them, not negotiable. Mm-hmm. 
my quiet time is non negotiable call it meditation, yeah. silent practice, yeah. whatever, is non negotiable. You know, I like to be by myself and not speak and just even though what I do for a living is <laughs> and profession is speaking a lot. But I really value that and I ensure that I get as much of that as I can and that keep, keeps me grounded and it keeps me connected and the evening rituals and routines, which mine hasn't been the best of late and, and I need to refine that a little more. It's just discipline yeah. more than anything else. It's To answer your question or to expand on the question that I've answered already, there are some challenges at the moment mm-hmm. I'm holding all that and I've I've got a, I heard our, our brother Garen say something to me the other day, which was great because it was told to him, do it, delegate it, ditch it. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, that's an inventory I'm about to take in my life. What am I doing? What am I delegating? What am I ditching? Yeah. Now, I'm really good at doing and delegating. Like, mm-hmm. I'm actually really good at that. Yeah. I'm clearly, I'm really good at doing. The ditching piece, that's a fucking mm-hmm. crux for me because yeah. it's like this old when I was a little kid, like I can relate it, like fear of missing out, uh-huh. being bullied, being ostracized, I don't want to miss out, I want to be part of everything. Mm-hmm. That's a little kid wound, right? Yep. That's the part I struggle with is the ditching piece. Interesting. I can see when like an investment or a business opportunity, I get business opportunities come to me often and I can see when it's not good as I can say, politeful? Is that a word? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is polite, politeful. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Yeah. in a polite way, I'll say no thank you, but thank you. But things that I'm passionate about, yeah. that I fucking love, love, and I want to be involved in. So like, ah, but I can't say yes to everything. Uh huh. I know. So I'm learning that yeah. as I'm playing a bigger game. Yeah. Right? As I'm yeah. expanding more financial acumen and business acumen, mm-hmm. and in how just showing up, how to be a better friend, how to mm-hmm. be a better husband, like mm-hmm. just all the different ways, right? So yeah. definitely an interesting time. I, I see. You know, people say the calm before the storm. I think mm-hmm. for me, this is a storm before the calm. Actually. Yeah. Beautiful intentional storm, yeah. You know, like intentional yeah, yeah. sort of, yeah. Very much so because then I can just peek, 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 and slow down. Yeah, yeah. That's Beautiful. the intention there. Beautiful. What has changed with your relationship with Christine since the baby? Because that's one thing that I hear a lot from other new fathers or friends that have children is the the dynamic of the relationship. Have you experienced any of that yet? Yeah, so I would say the first thing is a deepened honesty. Like yeah. the honest, I, will, I would think very honest with each other already, but even deeper now, having some really big conversations about parenthood, about how we're going to be with each other, how do we want to be with each other now, mm. how do we want to love each other, what are each other's needs, what requests do we have of each other, how we're seeing each other, you know, how we make decisions together, not just about parenthood, but about our lives, you know, what all of that means. Being more attentive to is if something's changing within us and the way that we express that to each other. Because I do my best and I don't always get this right. Or should I say, I don't always do this very well, but I do my best to be very attentive to her body's changing. Mm -hmm. My body's not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just get, I just get fucking better and stronger. She can't do the sauna. She can't do this. Uh She can't like, it's, you know, her whole world's changing because she's got a little being growing in her womb, right? And so I just want to be very attentive to, you know, the hormonal changes that she's experiencing. She's very grounded and, and I mean, she's great, to be yeah. honest. I, mean, I, I can't complain. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's not it's not even about that. It's just about, okay, what does she need right now? Like sleeping is difficult. Can't lay on her back. Mm. Like all these things that need to change, they're really happening. Yes, they're happening with me, but it's really happening with her yeah. you know like mm-hmm. she's experiencing that so yeah. being also, I guess actually being less selfish and a little more selfless yeah, and that's interesting for me not because 
I'm a very selfless person and it's very evident in the work mm-hmm. that I do and the path that I've chosen. But I'm, I'm, I have an extreme personality. So I'm also a very selfish person. I can mm. be very selfish yeah. and I can be I can act like a little kid, <laughs> like a, a childish when I don't get my way. Mm. So I'm coming into what I feel is like a deeper level of maturity, you know, yeah. and, and that, that when I don't get my own way is tied to the freedom piece. Yeah. You know? Like COVID fucking ruptured me, man. Really? Oh, bro. Really? Like, it fucking, <laughs> it bro- like for a period of time, I was so fucking angry. Yeah. So uh, because yeah. of the lockdown this yep. and the lockdown mm-hmm. that and, and, and don't do this and don't do that. And you have to remain here and you can't go five kilometer, five miles outside of your radius. And I'm like, nobody mm. tells me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's that pushing on that old yep. wound. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. My dad wouldn't let me go down a fucking road to yep. play with the kids yep. because he said my dad was very is very racist. Like, oh, they're Australian, don't play with them. Yeah, you know, you're Greek, you're Italian, you go find other kids to play with that mm-hmm. are that are Greek. And I'm like, there's no Greeks here in the neighborhood. <laughs> Bad luck then. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bro. Bad it. luck. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I forgot where we were. You <laughs> know what we're talking about. Think, uh, where were we? Uh, shit, I don't I'm even know. Well. Doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter. matter. What did you? Uh, I was actually just more curious. What did bring you to the states initially? I mean, Christine. Were, Christine. Okay. Yeah. yeah I okay. mean, I was going to come anyway. Yeah. So I was so very very quickly. We were introduced by friends, mutual friends. Yeah. Do you know Akira and Renee. That sounds really familiar. I know yeah. through Mind Valley and yeah. Akira's a videographer in that production company. Yes, I've had friends that have done stuff with her. Yeah, yeah, worked with her. Yeah, 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 for sure. And so they introduced us, and then we were both going to meet in Estonia for a Mind Valley thing. She was teaching. I was just going to be there for a company I was involved in all that, like three months later. So we just developed a relationship. Yeah. Gone to Europe, you know, fell in love, all the things. I was going to be in Europe and or America and oscillate between the two. Mm -hmm. And then I came to the US, and we were just clear on what we wanted. Beautiful. I proposed and we did the thing and went from there. Hell yeah. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love that. You know what? I didn't get, so I know you just shared that, how quick it was. And I've had so many friends that are just like, yeah, new instantly. I didn't get that until recently. I didn't understand what that meant. I get it now. It's interesting, isn't it? It's very interesting. Yeah. And it's something like, I I mean, I study this shit all the time, yeah. right? And I, just, I study uh, the way that we've evolved through relationship and our psychological sexual mating strategies that differ mm. between men and women, all the things, right? Mm. And that, what you're speaking to now, you can't deny that it's not physiological. There's definitely a, a mm-hmm. hormonal rush there. There's yeah. definitely a physiology that's involved. And it's difficult to prove, but there's something beyond that. Yeah. Because- the physiology you can almost feel with not anyone and everyone, but you can feel with such an array of people. Right. But the knowing, it's something else, right? Like there's a readiness that has to happen within you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think it's a readiness of like two people. They're showing up ready. And yeah, it's, I don't know how to put it into words other than knowing. And when, it's when different. You know, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's different. Yeah, it is. And I think for most people that are on that path of greater awareness, they're seekers. Yeah. You know? Like I, I consider myself a seeker or an avid explorer of consciousness mm-hmm. or the unknown and what we can't see. I feel that there's a, and we come back to responsibility, there's like this responsibility that comes with this knowing that we get when we meet someone that carries such deep wisdom for us and vice versa, mm-hmm. right? It's mutual. 
and sort of deep, deep teaching and learning and there's a richness in growth. And sometimes it's really volatile and intense and other times it's not necessarily that way. Um, sometimes it's a combination of that on the spectrum, right? And so I think there's this level of responsibility that comes when you meet someone in that capacity. And not only is there a level of responsibility to continue to grow yourself, but they're almost, in my own experience, I've often been pushed to my edges at the beginning of that relationship. I'm wondering if it's been like that for you or if it's been different. It has. Yeah, it, it has. It's been a whole nother depth that things that I thought I had cleared. That whole story, <laughs> I thought I was past that. Yeah, and it feels like, for me, it, was, it feels like something similar to what you expressed about the baby is just there's a, like a deeper level of caring, deeper level of importance to it now. Like when it was just me, I was just like, yeah, it's sorted out, get through my day to day. And now it's like, okay, no, it's deeper. And it's. It's legitimately easier. Yeah. Easier. Yeah. Like it's easier when you're on your own, but it's also easier to avoid your shit. It definitely is easier to avoid your shit. Like post doing a lot of work, I was telling myself a lot of stories that I was believing until someone reflected back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd love to speak on this. Like, this nature of like growth and expansion seems to happen in the, like this step process and it go through these massive expansions and breakthroughs and peak experiences. And, and then there's some level of stabilizing or maybe even contracting back. What do you think? I don't know, go into it at any level you want to go into, like what's the nature of when we hit that next peak, that next expansion? Like, is it, we're just, is it a, it's like a soul readiness thing? Or are we, you have any thoughts on that? I do. If I understand your question, your exploration is. Uh, What's the nature of growth? Yeah. And like why that happens when it does. I think it happens. Yeah. And that's how I thought you were asking the question. I think for me, the nature of growth happens this way. There needs to be a clearing of the clutter, right? Otherwise our energetic focus, right? Like our physiology, the resources that we expend to stay upright, to breathe, to think and feel through the world, our resources are taken up by unresolved wounding, unresolved pain, psychological pain, mm -hmm. that then has an effect on our bodies, right? And so we spend so much of our time and our energy and our resources unknowingly, most of it is unknowingly, right. a large percentage of it right. is unconscious, on keeping that at bay. It's like managing it, yeah. yeah. It's keep, like keep, trying to yeah. keep at homeostasis yeah, that's with a lot of energy. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's what we want as human beings. Like, you look out there to nature, all nature is doing is striving for homeostasis in its own way. Mm -hmm. We're no different to nature in that way, right? So when we clear out the clutter of the past, we give ourselves an opportunity to, we create spaciousness in our bodies, in our being, right? From that place, we give ourselves an opportunity to choose a little more deliberately with greater awareness. What does the next iteration or expression of me look like? Mm -hmm. What is it that I want to do in the world? Who is it that I want to be in the world? What relationships do I want to have? What choices do I want to make? What do I want to pursue with greater mm -hmm. tenacity? What do I want to ditch? Yeah. Right? For me, central is healing, right? Now, there's, it's not about reaching an end point, like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm healed. Yeah. Done. Past tense, finished, never need to heal again. It's not about, it's about healing the core afflictions that we've experienced that have placed us on a trajectory like a personality disposition, a set of behavioral traits that no longer align with the conscious vision we have of ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
And so what often blocks that is literally just the past repeating itself through our nervous system, through our actions, through our thoughts, right? And unknowingly to us. So we have to, quote unquote, do the work to unpack that, resolve that. Often what that feels like is learning how to regulate our nervous system so we're in a safe place and then dealing with the unfelt feelings and the unexpressed thing that needed to be expressed at the time of infliction that's compounded over and over, not only in the nervous system, but also in the stories that we tell ourselves, mm. right? Yeah. And once we release that, it's not reliving the drama or reliving the story, but it's releasing it somatically through the body. There's a spaciousness, and it's in that spaciousness that growth occurs. And now we go, where do we want to go next? So we go to the next place, right? And it's not linear, and it's not, it's not necessarily up either, right? It could be like this. That's even irrelevant. But where do we go next now? We go to that next place. We're taking on things, experiences that we hadn't had before. Our view of the world, our vantage point and our purview is like, oh, this is new and different. Well, that brings up a new set of challenges. Now we form new identities around that. Now we spend more time. So what we've just done a moment ago was getting rid of all the eyes, like yeah. the me this, the me that, all the levels uh, and layers of identity to create a new identity. Yeah. And now that we let go of that attachment, we form this new, all these new different yeah. ones, and now we spend some time getting rid of those ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like this fucking cosmic joke. I know. <laughs> yeah, when you explain it that way, it feels pretty silly. I wonder, I wonder, man. I wonder what it's all for. I wonder what it's all about. I, I think about the feeling of people say, I feel good, or, I feel great. I feel bad. What's associated with that? Where's that coming from? What does that mean? What does it mean to feel good? You just had a a good experience. Okay, so maybe you just had a great meal with a great friend. What is that? So you're happy, you're laughing. When you feel bad, does that mean that you're sad or you're angry? But we know that there's no really negative emotions. They're they're all neutral. They're on a spectrum of expression, right? But we label them or we judge them. I look at what's desirable and what's undesirable, what's sustainable, what's not sustainable. And I wonder, like, okay, well, we know that if people are consistently depressed, it usually ends in suicide. They're consistently angry. It usually eventuates in self-destruction. Yeah. So it's not that these emotions or these, because we live by our emotions and our thoughts as well, but our emotions just play such a pivotal role in our relationship. They indicate to us, like, if I'm really angry right now, you're going to be protective in mm-hmm. some capacity, mm-hmm. right? Like it's an indication. If I'm smiling, it's telling you that everything's safe. Like even that, mm-hmm. like what's safe, what's unsafe. And I just, I think about it all and then I just think, uh, whatever. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Like it's just, it is yeah. what it is. Like yeah. I don't need to figure it out. However, I can navigate in a different way that maybe I haven't before. I like the unknown. Yeah. You can like, Figure out for you in the moment what's working, like what's as, much, as often useful. as I can. Yeah, yeah. As, often, as, as long as I'm deliberate with it, as often mm-hmm. as I can, yeah. then something shifts within me. The more deliberate I become, uh, that's what I found in my own life. Like when I become passive to life, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I just I become more disorientated. Yeah. Now, for me, being passive is different to surrender and acceptance. Mm-hmm. For me, different. Hey, explain that. Yeah. yeah. So for me, surrender and acceptance. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I think this is something that, that happens in the spiritual community when people start doing the work is confuse surrender with just sitting on the couch. Spiritual community yeah. is the best. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
above, they're above everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're yeah. above everything. They have all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll tell you them too. We'll tell you. We'll oh, yeah, tell 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> For me, the difference is passivity becomes a choice vested in fear and in unconscious control, right? So this need to, it's a paradox, right? Like you're passive in life because you don't have the self-confidence or the self-worth to take the action because maybe you fear failure. Mm-hmm. Maybe you fear success or maybe you fear being told you're wrong or you were told not to take big chances. So you just sit back and let life happen to you and hope for the best, right? right? That ultimately comes from low self-esteem and low self-worth. Mm-hmm. For me, surrender and acceptance is looking at a situation and knowing what's in your mastery and knowing what's not, right? And choosing to observe or be or accept or surrender from a place of empowerment. And in doing so, for me, what that means is that the moment we accept and surrender is that we're choosing to not be slaves to our past again, yeah. right? And so, we're, again, spaciousness, we're creating space for something new to emerge. Because in this sense, maybe our pattern is, I need to control everything because I'm scared again. Fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fear plays such a pivotal role yeah. in all of this. So what my edge is is to accept and surrender, not to be passive in the sense that I'll just let someone else decide for me and I'm not going to have a say in how I run my life because that's disempowering, right. right? And that's lacking a belief in self. Whereas the acceptance and surrender is saying, well, I'm going to choose to not continue these patterns that are playing out that actually aren't serving. And as painful as it may be to accept what's happening, perhaps that's the best choice for me. So there's just a more, there's a greater sense of intention and there's a greater sense of I'm not going to allow fear to run me and control me. Mm. How do people know when fear is controlling? For me, I mean, it's not just for me, it's, it's for what I've witnessed as well in so many. It's in the body. It's yeah. really, really clear in the body. That's, you know, we're such physical, material, tangible beings. Just go to the body. Like when you're in fear, you feel contracted. Oh, yeah, you're tight. clenched up, you're tight. Stomach's like sinking, heart rate is racing depending on what the fear is and where it's coming from and what it looks like for you and what it feels like for you. But it's in the physiology. Yeah. You know, if you're constantly being asked to do something new, yeah. right, maybe to take that promotion or you're being asked to take this risk in this business, this entrepreneurial business, but you keep doubting yourself. What does doubt feel like in your body? What does fear feel like in right. your body? Like, and if you don't know what fear is, if you have a fear of heights, like go sit go to the sky, edge, yeah, go to the edge and feel it in your body yeah. because that's the feeling that you're going to get. I don't necessarily recommend that because that's flooding and <laughs> that could be dangerous. But it could be dangerous. Like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Go to the edge of what you can is hold. uncomfortable yeah. for you, mm-hmm. what you can hold, mm-hmm. right? And then look over the edge. Right. Don't be on the edge and off the edge. Right. And then feel that in your body. That's the sensation mm-hmm. you're going to get when someone says to you when you've had a one night stand and the girl rings you up three weeks later and says, Oh, I'm pregnant. Like mm-hmm. that fear that you've got, like, yeah, I don't think about that. Yeah. Like that's, that's <laughs> as an example, you just lost your job in the middle of a pandemic or yeah. something. Like mm-hmm. what's the sensation that happened in your body? That's fear. Like we have to keep coming to the body because it mm. gives us a reference point mm-hmm. for understanding yes. ourselves. Yeah. The more we understand ourselves, the more empowered we feel, the less yep. passive we are, mm-hmm. the less we, we reserve our judgment to others, the less we give our power and say, you know what, Chris, you make the decision mm-hmm. for me. You do it for me. Mm-hmm. Well, firstly, that's putting a lot of responsibility on you yeah. that you probably don't want. Right. And secondly, I'm taking all the responsibility away from me. It's my agency and responsibility that keeps me moving in the world, that accelerates my expansion and growth. 
when we're passive, we're contracting. Right. More permanently. Yeah. Yeah. Why do people choose that? Passivity? Yeah. Oh, because yeah. I, they think they're scared. scared. To start. Yeah. Low, low self-worth. Yeah. Fear. Indoctrinated with a belief of you can't do it or yeah. you can't do it on your own. Yeah. Or you're not worthy enough to do it or you're not enough to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, people, again, are just so hurt. Maybe they have this confidence, but they're so hurt. Maybe they've experienced physical or sexual abuse, as an example, or bullying or something. And they're so hurt that they don't allow space in their lives. You know, they've been disempowered, so their power's been taken away from them. They've lost their power or they've given it away, right? And that habit and the stories around that habit compound over a lifetime. And then as adults, it's just easier to give their power away or give the choice to someone yeah. else without even realizing they're doing it. Yeah. Some I, people may be happy about that, but are they really happy is the question right. I have. I'm not doubting whether they right. are happy or not. I'm just asking the question, are you really happy in that? Right. I don't know. I mean, that's another that's another issue, man. Like so, well, people be honest with each other. Right. With, with themselves. With themselves, yeah. That's one of my mentors would ask me the same question five times. Just <laughs> I would answer you just ask again. Yeah. Again. Perfect. Again. Keep going. And it fucks with your head. Yeah, it really does. It really, and you get different answers. And, th- and that's the being honest with yourself. Yeah, it fucks with you for sure. Shame blocks that. Right? Like shame mm. stops us from yeah. just getting honest with ourselves. Yeah. Because we're scared of what other people are going to think of us. We're yeah. scared of the judgments. And maybe, and rightly so, so to speak, because we've experienced so much judgment. A lot of evidence life. to support that, yeah. So we hide. Yeah, we for hide sure. hide behind a convenient answer. Yeah. Isn't it really... Isn't it so interesting, though, that the evidence to support your old belief is there and plenty of evidence to support your new belief is also there? It's just like, which one are you looking at? So true, man. Mm-hmm. What, are we, what are we giving our attention to? You know, And what can we give our attention to in such a way that actually uh, feels possible? Yeah. Because I think we avoid it. For me in my life, I've avoided so much of what's possible because I haven't known how to be with it because mm. I've been attached to the story of this is my cap. Yeah. This is as good as it's going to get. Interesting. And so I won't even look at the other thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, the contradiction within me or the paradox within me is I'm such a big thinker, yeah. such a big thinker. Yeah. Like when I use a simple, tangible, quantitative example, like, I've thought for years, oh, yeah, I'll just be a billionaire. Like, I don't see a big deal. Yeah. Like, oh, the path will carve itself out. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll, and there's very specific reasons. Like, I've, I've thought about, well, okay, why would I want to be a billionaire? Like, what would it mean? Or a centimillion or whatever. It doesn't really matter, right? What, what would I do with it? What does it mean? Like, how am I going to contribute? What experiences do I want? Like, I give all these things a lot of thought. But my point is that what could be a really big thing for someone, I've never, th- <laughs> when I was, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. This is my ignorance and my my naiveness. Hey, so <laughs> I was 23 and I went up to this tennis coach. It was so, firstly in Perth, they had built the biggest gym, so to speak, in the Southern Hemisphere. Right, ten tennis courts, like it was like every just massive gym. Just it was massive facility. Right, essentially they built it in this old like a Lowe's, like an old warehouse. Right, <laughs> massive, but they re revamped yeah. it. So I went up to the tennis coach there who was like this ex-fucking Wimbledon coach and I said to him, oh, I want to be a tennis player. And he said, great. Have you ever played tennis before? I said, nope. I said, I said to him, I want to be a professional. He fucking laughed at me. Like he laughed because I just thought, 
How yeah. hard can it be? Surely How hard can it, it be? Yeah. 23, I'm fit. Yeah. Like, I'm fit. Uh, yeah. Bro, I look, <laughs> look at, at me, bro. No, don't look at me. I look, I'm going to show you later. I'm going to fucking send it to you. I was looking at pictures of myself when I was 20 years old the other day, and I'm like, I, sh- I went downstairs to Christian and said, what the fuck? My image of myself, I'm so much better now. Yeah. I was so ugly when I was 20. <laughs> I thought I was. I was. I was you like, thought you were the this? shit. Yeah. Yes, I thought I was the shit. Yeah, I was definitely not the shit. Yeah, I was actually the shit. Yes, is what I was. I looked yeah. at myself. What is this? Yeah, I, I just. I know. Seriously, man. I don't even know what I was thinking. And yeah. I was training back then as well. I look like. Yeah. I didn't even want yeah. to say, man. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to say. Yeah, yeah. So our perceptions can be. Well, I don't know how we got into that, but yeah, our perceptions can be warped. They really can, like. Oh, well, it was getting the it was the paradox. That's what I was telling you. Oh, like, yeah. The limitations and then the paradox, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of also my big thinking, but yeah, most of that most of the time has been you know compensation to feel better about what's possible to pull me out of the present because I didn't want to be in the present yeah. moment because it was so yeah. painful, right? Yeah. So that pattern just dies hard. Yeah. What was helpful for you along the way, or what is still helpful for you? Like, what are practical things for people to create that space in their life? Yeah, reflection. Wow. Yeah. Reflection. Like, just honest reflection, like, Chris, can I talk to you? Sure, Steph. I want to ask you something about me. What, what do you, X, Y, and Z, see in this? Or what would, if this was you, what would you do? Reflection. Just reflection from people you trust, respect, revere. I just think that's a, such a, I, I mean, of course, there are daily practices and things to do and, you know, ways to be in the world, but I, I, we're relational beings. Reflection from people that you trust, respect, and revere. Yeah. And that's mutual. Key point there, from people you trust, respect, and It has to be. I think that's a game changer, man, because I spent so much of my life being embarrassed to ask questions. Me too. I really wanted to. Me too. Because I didn't want to be wrong. Right. I didn't want to look stupid. Yeah. Ask a stupid question. No, I just don't give a fuck now. Yeah. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> yep. I just ask everything. in it. I don't want to look. I still have it in me. Like I want to look a certain way. Yeah. Or I should be this or I should yeah. be that. I definitely have that identity yeah. crisis or whatever it is. But I move that aside and I still ask the question. Because I don't want to be, that's a loss for me. I see that as a loss. I see it as a missed opportunity. So I think to answer your question, I'm just reflection, man. Like deep, visceral, honest reflection. Trusting reflection from someone that you just care about and you admire, like you said. Yeah, that brought something up. Just like the difference in being between like old self talking about the asking questions. And I used to go through this process of like the not wanting to look bad and then also like noticing who else has a question. Oh, maybe they need it more. Like this whole and then like, I don't know if the teacher's got more time or what if this, like this whole thing processing and now if it's there, it's just like, oh yeah, got this thing. There's a question. Yeah. Just trusting. taken up. Like yeah, so much. And the stress. So much. The anxiousness and anxiety that's built in the body because of it. I even think about like back in the day when I used to work out, like most of my attention was what on other people were doing. Now, when it, like I don't even realize I'm with other people when I'm working out other than the occasional high five and like... <laughs> I'm just so in my body now and so in my experience, yeah. I love that, man, that ability to be in the body in that way, like that ability to just be, you know, fully present to what's happening in the body, what's happening right here, right now, without the distractions of everything around me, just what's happening here right now. Man, that's such a gift. Like the level of anxiousness drops because now you're not worried about what I'm doing later or the pleasure I need to put in my body because 
of the pain that I'm feeling that I'm trying to avoid and I'm trying to mask it with more pleasure. So I've got to keep thinking about the next thing because, you know, also anticipation, dopamine's an anticipatory hormone. So just the anticipation of something, it's releasing dopamine. So we're in this constant avoidance of what's important to us and what we really care about, where if we just got present and just dealt with whatever's presenting, joy, happiness, sadness, anger, jealousy, resentment, whatever, just honest to what's happening there, it would just move. It would be fleeting. It wouldn't be so permanent because the more we avoid it, again, the paradox of it is that the oxymoron is that the more it sticks around. Mm. You're not dealing with it, yeah. Because mm-hmm. we're not dealing with it. We're not giving it an outlet. Like There's no release valve. Yeah. So you got this weight attached to a rope in your feet and you keep like kicking it, like hoping it's going to go away and it keeps dragging. <laughs> like, why is this not? Why is this carried around with me? Oh, no. I just got to untie it from my ankle. <laughs> yeah, that's just it. Pay attention to it. <laughs> Give us some love. Yeah. Ask her what it needs. Mm. Mm. And I find that like there's the big process like you talked about of the clearing up and the healing process. And, and I also feel it's for me, it's just like the subtleties of my day. Just like when I get out of intention, just like coming back to presence, like what's important now? Like how do I have to show up now in this moment? And it's just, it's so relieving versus the old me of just like worrying about past and outcomes of the future and it's like, oh, what's called upon in this moment right now? So life is easier. Yeah, it's a really valuable thing, man. I've been called lately, you know, we are talking about earlier. I really appreciate what you're saying about the subtlety. Even more important than the gross or the gross. Like there's, the gross is easy or the gross is easy because not gross is in disgusting, gross is in big, you know, like it's just, it's here, but it's the subtlety of how we move, how we breathe, you know, how we eat. I'm a generally a fast eater because I've got my days are so full, so I'm condensing it or compressing it. And I know that's not healthy for me. And a good amount of time I can be aware, I can slow it down, I create space in my day for it where I can. But man, more often than not, I don't. And so as I say to my clients, and I believe this, that pattern of behavior that draws parallels in every other area of your life, you know, in how you communicate with people, in how you run your business, and how you see yourself, in how you have sex, and how you do all the things, right? Like it's if, if everything is about finishing and completion so you can get onto the next thing, that's what happens in every area of your life. And you lose the connection to the subtle. Like, and I think there's, there's something really important in that slowing down that we've missed in our society. And I'm not blaming society. And I'm saying that society, we live in a very fast-paced world. Quick fix, short-term gratification. And that impacts and influences our sense of self-worth, our identities, and the way that we do and live life. Yeah. So true. I made a joke on a, when I was being interviewed on a podcast the other day. I said, when I started driving slower, sex got better. How fucking true is that? It wasn't just the driving. It was everything in my life. Just slower. Breathing slower. Walking slower. Moving slower. I reflected back. Every injury that I ever had was a result of going too fast. Stub my toe, going too fast, not paying attention. Like knock over the glass of water, going too fast, not paying attention. Yeah. And um, thinking about the next thing, not thinking about the present. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just picking this glass of water up and drinking it. Yeah. I would even say that's true for waking up in the middle of the night. It's dark. You keep your eyes closed because you know where it is. And you're thinking about urinating. You're thinking about going for a piss. <laughs> and so you're thinking about pissing, but you're not pissing yet. You're not in the yeah, present you're moment. Not pissing. You're, not, you're not paying attention to where your feet are landing on the ground. Uh-huh. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've stubbed my toe on this very couch we're sitting on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so true. So true. Those patterns are so sneaky, though. Like, how do you 
personally teach your clients and like, how do you do for yourself? How do you interrupt those things? Yeah. You know, I've been thinking about, I'll get to that, that question. Definitely. I've just been thinking about nature a lot lately and I miss nature. Like I know I live in nature, we live in nature to some degree. I miss nature, man. I miss being alone in the wilderness. I miss the mountains. I miss, and I'm sure when I was, if I was there right now, I'd say, oh, I miss the hustle and bustle of the city or whatever. But let me continue this. So I miss nature at the moment. And I've been really reflecting on simplification and simplifying my life and becoming more connected to land and earth and what that looks like. And I have a very deep love for earth, very deep love, very deep connection to earth. And I get the hypocrisies in my own life. I'm very clear on that. And the hypocrisies in our society as well. I, I, I'm very clear on that as well. And I have a very deep relationship to earth. And one of the ways that I teach my clients nuances of that, of, of greater attention, is you know, deliberately slowing down. So looking out to the distance and just gazing into the distance and breathing slow. And if you forget to do that, just put a put in a note on your alarm to remind you every couple of hours, you know, depending on where you are in the world, right? Spending time in nature. Whenever you feel activated in your body and then identifying what those activations are, before you respond verbally or react verbally or react in action, close your eyes and just take five deep breaths. So five slow breaths, I should say. So the power of pausing. So incorporating pausing in a very mindful way in your life. Again, we, we, talk, we spoke about patterns that translate to other areas of your life. Uh, mindful eating. So take three slow conscious breaths before you eat and then eat slow. And every time you take a bite, put the fork down or the spoon down or the chopsticks down or whatever you, know, whatever you eat or you, if you're eating with your hands, and just put it down. Chew your food. You don't have to count your bites. I mean, you can if you want, but chew your food. When you finish chewing, then go again. Like, Practices like that, you know, sleep hygiene, effective sleep hygiene is really, really important. Before we get to start unpacking, you know, the inner child trauma and the, the pain that you're avoiding and the abuse that you've experienced, we've got to get people in the body safe. We've got to get them connected, feeling Down nervous. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly. They have to get ready. Otherwise, it's just putting, I don't know, lipstick on a pig. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Yeah. It's just not, pig's still going to be a pig. And so you can have all these trauma techniques and these release exercises, but unless you can regulate your body, you're still going to be dysregulated. Simple as that. Yeah. The way I think about it is like you, you're out, out on a boat during the summer and you get this really bad sunburn. And the next day you go out and you're out for one second and you're like, that's too much. And you go back inside. Versus just like a normal day, you go outside, you spend an hour in the sun and it's healthy. That's like the healing process is like, if you're just fully sunburnt all the time, your nervous system's fully sunburnt. You can't take any of it. You can't poke any of it. And so I love how you relate it to exactly how I, I love talking about it as well, as well with the, the body and the nervous system and it's all tied together. And, but the body is like, it's our physical, it's like how we can identify what's happening with us. Yeah. It's a gateway, man. I think it's a gateway to greatness. It's a gateway to more of ourselves. It's a gateway to the mystery that resides in life. I think when we slow down, we get to feel and think about the mystery, you know, like we get to be in it as opposed to just think about it or fantasize about it. I mean, I can't tell you how often I just crave sitting on a uh, moon pod. I've got the same one. Oh, well, I've got a single one. There's a double one. 
but I've got a couple of single ones. I just crave sitting on my moon pod and just looking at hill country and just thinking, actually thinking, not overthinking, just thinking about life, about myself, just asking some big questions. Who am I? What's it all for? Where do I want to go? Like, what's interesting to me right now? Just thinking, feeling like I crave, I really crave that at the moment, man. And I create it for myself, just not in the way that I completely want to. And maybe I justify that by saying it's a season that I'm in, you know, it's a season that I'm in. And there's some truth to that. And there's probably some cop out to that as well, you know, because the cost of slowing down in my mind is a cost of slowing down. And it's being being more comfortable with the cost, you know, like or the change. Just be more comfortable mm-hmm. with the change. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's like there's the cost and benefit to it, and it's like, yes. Which one are you really ready to hold at the moment? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's important. Which one am I really ready? Which one are we ready to really hold at the moment? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like for me, it's a balancing. It's that still in a way, like I feel the, the voice of like selfishness come up when I like take that time for myself and slow down. It's subtle these days, but like it's, I still notice it there. I'm like, oh, I should be out doing more in the world, building more, whatever. That bullshit. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And yeah. I get it. Mine is, is more about, um, it's more about, oh, but I could be doing this now. Oh, but I've got all these things that I need to do. So that, that really requires more attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When meanwhile, oh man, are you the type of person that, like I can fill any amount of time with any amount of bullshit? Like I'll move, I'll move this from here to here. I'll do this. I'll, do this. I'll, I'll like rewash laundry for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I can somehow fill any time. And so, yeah, I, I purposely schedule stuff still time i schedule buffer time i like you don't know if you saw but before you came in here i was sitting just like breathing intentionally like if i don't do that i just rush through this podcast but this hour is has felt like three hours for me just like because you practice being slow and i really and i love that and and you're right we have this great capacity to fill our time to avoid to avoid the stillness because there's so much wisdom in the stillness that we fear and I think we fear the wisdom because the wisdom is going to call us forward into expansion and change. And that means we have to change our behaviors and our lifestyles. And we fear losing that, fear the unknown. You can't drill that into anyone. You can't tell anyone that. They have to experience it themselves and at different pockets of their lives as well, right? So I think that's just part of the, the growth journey, man. That's one of the reasons why we're here. And you said this a few minutes ago, but I think we kind of brushed over it. You said, I love the unknown. And I think that shifting that relationship from fearing the unknown to loving the unknown makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been tough to do that. And there's still parts of me that avoid the unknown. Like we love, I think we love a combination of certainty and uncertainty in our lives, right? Spontaneity and structure. So we're multifaceted beings and definitely been a journey to become way more comfortable with the unknown, man. Definitely been a journey, brother. Well, I have to say, if you're open to reflection. Of course, do, yeah. Yeah. Always from you. You're doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank and you. And seriously, the reflection that I've noticed to you is, is a much more calm, more present, even softer, more joyful, less rigid. Like just, it seems like more satisfaction with self and with life. 
That's yeah. how I feel you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I, f- I feel that, man. I do. Yeah. And that's a very meaningful reflection to me because there's been a, so much seriousness and rigidity in my life, right? And for you to say those words around the, the softening and the play, and that's my true nature, man. Yeah, I feel it when it comes out. Like I've witnessed you smile more in the last few months and since we've been a little closer than in previous, yeah. And I feel that's really true. Like um, I think I'm also giving less fucks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. <laughs> and I'm also, and I'll tell you what else helps, man, is just being surrounded by fucking epic humans, case in point. Like, yeah. and I really mean that. Like, Fuck that yeah. brings out the best in people, mm-hmm. you know. So I feel very blessed and maybe parts of me even feel a little guilty sometimes that I have such amazing human beings around me, you know. When I say guilty, it's more... I think it's more empathy for those that I know that don't. They don't, yeah. Don't they have don't that have that support. Intimacy, yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's less about guilt and more just empathy and really feeling into the world. Yeah, wanting everyone to have that. Yeah, wanting everyone to have whatever their version is. Doesn't have to be my version. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Steph. This feels like an amazing time to wrap it up. And yeah, before we do, I've been asking this question and it, this was the intention of my podcast was to be the most vulnerable podcast. And so I'm asking every guest what vulnerability means to you. I won't go and give you the Brene Brown definition, but definitely part of that for me is just doing things that scare us. Things that scare me for me, you know, doing something that scares me. I don't mean necessarily, although this is part of it, like jumping out of a plane um, with a parachute on and whatever it may be, but just doing the thing that takes me to my edge, you know, the thing that I've been avoiding. And maybe, you know, the way that I'll answer what vulnerability means to me is to share something vulnerable that I've only shared with a few close friends and, you know, people in my, in, in my circle. I've just started sharing it now, but, you know, my, I really want to learn how to sing, you know, and I've been wanting to learn how to sing for years. Um, and now that I have a little girl in the way, I want to, you know, sing to her and sing to my wife and for them and so forth. And I believe I have a, and it's taken me many years to get this, but I believe I have an amazing speaking voice and I can project, I'm untrained and all of that. And I can speak in front of thousands of people, it doesn't matter, whatever, but singing, I have so much shame, so much embarrassment. So something I'm really working through, it's very vulnerable for me, is that I don't appreciate my voice. I know I think I'm tone deaf and I, I know it's just practice, right? I completely know that. But, and I know the experience that it was when I was younger and it happened, you know, like what drew me away from it. But that's something that is really that I'm working through. And I don't know if I've admitted or I've ever said it on a podcast before or in a public way this way, but yeah, either way, like that's something that's really on my heart. I want to move through because I know it will unlock parts of me. So I think, you know, with that said, I think vulnerability is an access point. I think being and practicing vulnerability, that thing that scares us, that thing that takes us to our edge, that helps us, that makes us feel a little unsafe. I think that's an opening. Vulnerability is an opening into something greater and unknown that we're just not aware of until we do the thing that really takes us to that edge. And then we expand and we go, oh, that wasn't too bad. That wasn't as intense as I thought. And then we develop more self-worth and more confidence. And that gives us range to go explore the world in a different way and explore ourselves and just so many beautiful things that come from fucking vulnerability, man. So I don't know if I answered that directly. Fucking crushed it. <laughs> <laughs> fucking crushed it. But yeah. Oh, man. That. <laughs> beautiful, man. And thank you for sharing that. I know I heard you mention that before. And full honesty, like that's something that I've had fear and shame around as well. And uh, ironically, I'm interviewing a vocal empowerment coach on Friday. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So. Amazing. I, I might be working with her. Uh, we <laughs> oh, we might be singing together in the future. Yeah. Is she based in Austin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'll introduce you. Maybe yeah. give me an intro because I'm literally looking for someone. I, I just I haven't had or made the time to right. actually yeah. do a search and find someone. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. I'm all in for that. Yeah, you know my first step. I know I'm tangenting here, but I decided I wanted to bring more music into my life, and so I started playing the guitar and I hired a guitar coach and started doing that. And what I noticed was when, especially when I was with my partner, we would do songs together. And I would make this story like I couldn't sing while I was playing. Like it was like I definitely could, but there was just like this like fear. And and it started. It's definitely shifting and shifting, but um, uh, getting more comfortable with like who I sing in front of. And yeah, yeah, I love that man. Yeah, I I want to learn how to play piano. And I done all this before. I just stopped and time to revisit that. So I'm glad we had this conversation. And my queen is a world class pianist. So serious? Yeah, she'll. I'm sure she'll show you some things. Yes, sir. Sure. <laughs> if that's what she, if that's the work she does in the world as well, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Her life is music. Like her gift is music and she's amazing. So, well, thank you for being on here, Steph. Tell us a little bit about where people can find you, what projects you're currently working on that people can get involved in or, or follow along with. Speaking of Queens, mm-hmm. we have a yes. program. My wife and I have a program called Be the Queen. That's uh, we teach it live over about three and a half months, virtually live, virtually. Amazing curriculum. It's all about clearing the clutter of your past, helping women really date in this world, understand men. My wife, Christine Hassler, and I tr- uh, teach it together. It's a beautiful program. We've done it a number of times. It's really deep, man. It's a, it's a tremendous honor as well. Is that the one you had and a few other men on as guests? Yeah. Closing? Yeah. It's a beautiful container. Yeah. Thank you. And when that's done yeah. live, it's even more epic. That, wow. that, that closing. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm. Yeah, there's something really special that comes from that. Yeah. That's correct. And so we go in there again, we, uh, end of November and we have amazing women already in the container signed up and you can find me on stephanosafandos.com, my Instagram handle, or any social media handles at stephanosafandos. And you know, the direct application for that is, uh, christinehassler.com slash be the queen as well. So there's other amazing things happening in my life. I'm really grateful and blessed many projects that I'm involved in, but that one there is, is really powerful for, for the ladies at the moment. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you, Steph. Appreciate you. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Fully Expressed Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed this vulnerable conversation with our guest. And if you enjoy this show, please leave us a review, share it with a friend, and let me know if this has impacted your life in any way. You can message me directly on Instagram at Chris Marhefka. And also, If you want to support this show, the show is fully funded by my company, Training Camp for the Soul. Go over and check out trainingcampforthesoul.com where you can find out about our online programs, in-person retreats, and lots of free offerings where we're helping people to transform their lives radically and permanently. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you so much for making this dream a reality.